0: All things are possible, and you can be, authentically, gay with the God of your understanding. I am your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here welcome back everybody to the gay with god podcast and today i have a very special guest who is a repeat attender at the gay with god podcast (laughs) dale likens is with me today he is the founder of the open table a non-institutional open and affirming religious community and he is now an author so today's promo light is going on dale likens and his new memoir, just released, Hush Child, Finding My Voice and Breaking the Silence. Dale recounts his story of a web of family lies that began to unravel during a voice therapy session. Dale's memoir goes into the depth of his pain, abuse, and how he had been silenced physically and emotionally. He also tells how he found his voice and stepped into his authentic life. He lives in Cincinnati, Ohio with his wife. You can search for Dale's first contact with me and his, it's called Meet Dale Lichens, And he was here with me on January 17th, 2022. So when you go to the show page, empoweredmidge.podbean.com, just in the search bar, you can put Meet Dale Lichens, and he will pop up and you can see the, and listen, well, you can't see it. <laughs> You can see his bio in extensiveness, but um, you can hear his first contact that he had with Gay With God podcast, and I'm so glad you're back. So welcome, welcome. Thank you, Mitch. Reading through this memoir, I can tell you that that it's going to speak to you on so many different levels. And and what I first wanted to say is that your story is similar to many people who have abuse in their history and that that are survivors of their abuse. And yet your memoir has this twist of how it presented itself in a way that I've never heard before. So, you know, for you to go having this, and and I've been a therapist <laughs> in my you know, now I'm now a coach, but I've been a therapist. <laughs> I'm not sure if
1: that's good or bad.
0: I don't know either, yes. but uh <laughs> but it is what it is. <laughs> for me, I mean. <laughs> right. But but all the stories I've heard and all of the, the lives I've seen go through abuse through the through children, mm-hmm. I don't always always of course see them as adults. I, I might meet them later in life and they may tell me what happened after my my contact yeah. with them. Yeah, right. But for your abuse to present itself and, and just the trauma in general of what you went through as a child mm-hmm. in your right. family system for that to present in this physical voice display. I mean, it was just such mm-hmm. a, an amazing thing that that the thing that unlocked you was a vote, a voice coach. So can you talk a little bit about yeah. that journey? <laughs> Let's start there.
1: <laughs> okay. So that's a good place to start. <laughs> um, yeah. So I found, myself with um vocal fatigue which I hadn't really experienced before um you know in midlife around age 50 something and I just say that because I can't remember 55 <laughs> I guess um and
0: uh, <laughs> not because um, you're vain because
1: <laughs> no no I don't mind the ages I've earned them all but uh, uh no I just not quite remembering the the, yeah. the I know it was about 2017 but so anyway, um, so I found myself with vocal fatigue and ended up—I mean, shortening the story because uh, you can read it, all the details, but but found finding myself at a voice therapist, of mm-hmm. uh, reference you know referred by an ENT and a uh, 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 ear, nose, throat specialist, and um, the process of going through what she was asking of me revealed to me something i'd always known i always knew i was a tense you know very uptight kind of person i'm you know intense is just the good word for it but i didn't realize how much it can it had that tenseness and that uh you know had taken over my muscles Mm -hmm. you know my body um, you know that whole carrying as you said trauma in my body, mm-hmm. you know, and in the cells. And so that voice therapy is what revealed the depth of the effect of the trauma on me mm-hmm. physically. And yeah. so, um, yeah, and and then sent me back, you know, I won't get ahead. I don't know where we're going, but I, I <laughs> sent me, you know, I ended up back at there in therapy, mm-hmm. counseling, um, to explore that more. Mm -hmm. And that's when more details of my memory started to be unlocked and came together with some Mm -hmm. things that had just kind of poked, you know, through occasionally that I had dismissed. So, yeah. So,
0: and you talk about the counseling that you went to after the voice coach Mm -hmm. had worked with you and and you you mentioned EMDR. Can you talk to folks about why that was yeah. so healing for you and what that is? Because a lot of people are not familiar with EMDR.
1: Yes, and um, also I'll say if anyone reads the book, I well if anyone reads the book, you're all going to go buy the book. But when you want to, <laughs> but when you read the book, <laughs> yes, um, you know I sent I reference a, a a website too to get more about EMDR and mention that. EMDR is Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing
2: Therapy,
1: mm. and it was developed by uh, someone who realized that as they walked in the woods, as they tried to, you know, re- to relax their brain and the thoughts that were coming to them, that the movement of their eyes was um, would change the pattern of their thoughts and they explored that more and found that it really worked for uh, people who had experienced trauma in their Mm -hmm, lives mm -hmm. and so it wasn't the first time that i had with the same counselor um, that we had used that therapy uh, before i had done that several Mm -hmm. years many years before actually and so it was one of the reasons I knew when I went back to counseling, I wanted to go back to her mm-hmm. and, ex- and explore these memories uh, with that therapy again, mm-hmm. because what happened and, and I had already known is that through the, the process of you know getting your uh, uh, your brain to kind of release some of those things that it has you know often uh hold so tightly mm-hmm. because it's you know you're you don't it doesn't want you to remember it's protection mm-hmm. of yes. this you know traumatic these traumatic mm-hmm. moments. And so um I had found, you know, in this therapy that it is almost immediately like being right back in those mm-hmm. moments. I don't mean in the same way as like for me mm-hmm. it was sexual abuse that uh you you know is referenced in the book eventually, mm-hmm. but um it was. Uh, it's not that I'm, you know, right back there, but I just the memories are re- are fresh and they come pretty quickly, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm able to to then, you know, step back and look at that and and process it differently, and uh, feel emotion that you know I hadn't allowed myself to. So anyway, that mm-hmm. that's why that particular therapy was something I actually sought out when I knew that something was up. You know that 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 these memories, I was kind of saying, oh, okay, for many many decades. uh, Mm -hmm. That when I started listing them all together, I'm like, okay, there's something here that I really need Mm -hmm. to stop denying.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, denial is a wonderful um, (laughs) balm (laughs) in a way. I mean, it's toxic long-term but it gives us a chance to to give separation from an event Mm -hmm. and and give ourselves a chance to move forward in our lives in ways that we might have been crippled otherwise so it's it's sort of one of those gifts in the beginning that can turn to Mm -hmm. a really bad gift later um and and Mm -hmm. i've Mm -hmm. I've seen other people that have gone through emdr finding it very gentle because even though it's powerful. and there's so right. much emotion attached to it. The the healing part of it, the outcome part of it can come much quicker with some folks through EMDR yes. than traditional therapy. Right, right. And I love yes, how and, it works. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And as you actually do it more frequently, then you your brain even gets used to the process. And it it's, you know, and I have done it three or four times in my life. Uh mm-hmm. and, and it's just now it's just like we kind of i won't i don't want to give the wrong impression but breeze right. through well it. Like and it I, happens way quicker
0: <laughs> i love how you phrase that that your brain gets used to that because the brain is such a wonderful you know muscle mm-hmm. and it's able mm-hmm. to process things At such a quick speed when we get when we train it to do so. And that's sort of what EMDR is, is that it's able to Mm -hmm. use not only the eye movement, but to to train your brain to go to those dark Mm -hmm. dark and deep places and come out of it quickly. And I I just think it's very interesting. I never got trained in that but I was always very interested. And I always thought that if I went mm-hmm. back into therapy, that I would probably want to do that because one, it mm-hmm. seems to be very effective <laughs> and yeah, it doesn't, it, yeah. it doesn't take so long. Um, but, yeah, you and know it's that, not
1: complicated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. People,
1: it, it's, people it's really of, quite simple, but yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But find and, a trained professional.
1: For, <laughs> absolutely. And this, you know, as someone who's, really you know trained in it on the mm-hmm. other hand at first back in oh my gosh like tw- 2005 I think is the first time I did that um I was a little leery of it because I mm-hmm. thought you know it was and, and not I don't want to speak anything about hypnosis but I just mm-hmm. my expectation of the way it was being described to me was like mm-hmm. I don't know I don't want to not be in control and then right. when I finally thought you know what I need to do something and so I'm going to give it a try and then I realized immediately, is like, this is nothing like what I thought. I'm completely conscious. And, you know, as a matter of fact, the therapist and I talk through it at times. And she's, you know, it's like, do you want to stop for me? You know, how are you? Mm-hmm. I explained some of that in the, in yeah. the book. Too, but
0: yeah. Yeah. You go into yeah. great detail about that. And I appreciated that. And, and I love that you just brought up the word control <laughs> because throughout your life, that has been something that you've used, I think, to cope and i thought it was so yes. interesting how you started to realize later that oh <laughs> this is something that i might need <laughs> to check a little bit so talk about how your trauma <laughs> yes. is tied into that that control and and i love I love the fact that you called your mama and papa mama and papa because <laughs> I mm-hmm. felt r- right at home with that. <laughs> so how, how did that all tease itself out with the word control and the family trauma?
1: Yes. One of the things that I'm discovering as I continue through counseling, not with the EMDR person, mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. another counselor too. It takes a village and I mm-hmm. embrace that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um we have kind of laughed about it, not only because, you know, sometimes when I realize something, that's what the that's how I re, re, release the emotion in it. But mm-hmm. um, is that, um, you know, some of these things like the control. Well, most things that I've used over the years that I wasn't even aware of that they mm-hmm. were coping mechanisms
2: mm-hmm. and
1: then realize now I'm not in the same reality that I was when my brain was using that, you know. Yeah trying to protect me from something. And so right. now they're actually a bit, they're, they're not helpful. Right. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> um, I had really tried to, and we'll stick with the word control, but mm-hmm. there's a whole lot attached to that because mm-hmm. it isn't all about control. Some of it is about the expectation I put on myself that if, if, um, well, that I kind of had to take care of everybody and everything. Yes. And I was a yes. bit manipulated along with the abuse, was manipulation to kind of emotionally, uh, manipulation to feel that. And, you know, I had adults put that responsibility on mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up expecting that that was my role. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I, uh, um, want, you know, coped with getting through what I experienced. By trying to control my surroundings Mm -hmm. and creating, you know, a what seemed to me like safe spaces because there weren't weren't many. Yeah. uh, And adults in my life were not helping me to be safe or create those places. Mm -hmm. And so that I think is where, uh, you know, my uh, longstanding relationship with (laughs) control (laughs) came from.
0: Well, and I understood it. I mean, and I saw it in myself, actually, just just from, you know, my perspective, it, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, I'm trying to make everybody okay. So in my brain, I'm oh, thinking yes. of of making people um, like if if you do it this way, then you're going to be okay. And if you if we do this this way, that'll be mm-hmm. okay. And I'm trying to make right. everybody right. okay. And, and then I go into overdrive. And I realize mm-hmm. that I'm trying to control the outcome which is not my job, right. by the way,
1: <laughs> and oh, it barely yeah, works out as well to. as
0: I I thought it would. Right, I know. You know, because nobody <laughs> right. wants to play. You know, nobody w- wants to play right. to my design. You know, everybody has individual <laughs> choice apparently, which I don't know who came up with that. Maybe <laughs> God, but everybody has a <laughs> <not> sure. will, <laughs> right? But but <laughs> we don't ever seem to understand that in the moment because we're so invested. On keep for me, it was also keeping peace. Let's keep everything peaceful and let's mm-hmm. make sure everybody's mm-hmm. okay. And I go to ad nauseum sometimes trying to make all that work out mm-hmm. okay. Um, and so I really appreciated that right. story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You, um, I wanted to be sure that like, I absolutely agree. you're you know connected with what you said about making sure everybody was okay mm-hmm. and that that was my responsibility. Mm -hmm. and or I felt that it was Mm -hmm. and the ways that I would go about that you know would seem very controlling when in a sense I was just trying to make everything at least on the surface look like I had worth and I had a role and I had you know um, Mm -hmm. a place Mm -hmm. that you Mm -hmm. know was important
0: yeah so Yeah. Yeah. And and with everything that you had experienced as a child, um, even even the having to move from location to location, that's so unsettling Mm -hmm. for kids. It's like you never Mm -hmm. land anywhere. Um, It's just Mm -hmm. always a almost fruit basket upset. You know, you never know exactly where you might be. And all that tension between disappointing people trying to, you know, you wanted to make everybody okay and you wanted everything to work out and you wanted to have value and worth. And yet that value and worth was not always because it was given to you without strings attached, which then never was, never was. And the trust issues Mm -hmm. that were birthed through that, you know, had been a theme Mm -hmm. throughout your Mm -hmm. life that you could not trust the adults in your life, you couldn't really trust, Mm -hmm. I don't think, the spiritual understanding that you had because trust got kind of convoluted with God loves you Mm -hmm. if. uh, Your family may may, Uh, may throw you a bone if, but it's not really a situation where you could just put all of your trust in an adult that was going to keep you safe and Mm -hmm. love you unconditionally. So can you talk a little bit about how you got brave enough. I'm going to take it a twist here for just a minute. So how did okay. with all of your trust issues, how did you get brave enough to write this memoir <laughs> and send it out <laughs> to the <laughs> ugly world that we sometimes live in? Because, oh, my gosh, that that was such a brave right. decision. So how did you what made you decide to write the memoir? And then how did you get brave enough to trust the world with your sacred words and your heart? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm, thanks. Soon after the voice therapy and then, the, you know, I had started the counseling and I realized as it all kind of unfolded, I realized that, like you said in the beginning, Midge, thank you for those, for the, the those words, because mm-hmm. it, it's kind of how I felt that there was something in my story that could connect with people, uh, whether they mm-hmm. went through the same thing, but they would go through some similar situations and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, and would be able to find some hope. And Mm -hmm. so I thought, you know, I was just really intrigued also by that, you know, the the connection between my actual voice and then that kind of metaphorical, you know,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. authentic voice that I had. And as a preacher, Mm -hmm. I was a pastor preacher for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And to talk about, I didn't, I hadn't heard my voice before. Would be mm-hmm. like, well, that's just crazy. But no, it really mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true because there was mm-hmm. such a facade and so mm-hmm. much I had built up. I that's how I thought about writing the book. As I wrote it, and it took me four years to write, and that's because it was daunting, mm-hmm. you know, to put the story down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't really know where it was gonna go, I have to admit. I mean, I was gonna write about my voice therapy. And the aha's I had about that. Mm-hmm. And then the editor I was working with would suggest other things, you know, like, well, why don't you write about this and then we'll see if it should go. You know, how about you write about this? And so um it ended up being then, you know, more about some of the situations I was in where I had, you know, allowed yet other people, you know, even as a a, a middle-aged adult to mm-hmm. I'll use the, the word take away my voice. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so um, I really am getting, I'm doing, I'm doing a long way around here. No but worries. I'm, I'm trying to set the stage <laughs> that it ended up in places like me coming out and all that, that I didn't know would be included.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so um, by the time the four years mm-hmm. was over, I really, I was just going to say it this much. I had really worked intensely on in counseling on those issues Mm -hmm. and so i'm not going to say i'm all better about my trust issues but it was better Mm -hmm. and um so i you know i thought i was quite excited about doing it now midge when it was going to be released on the day that people could buy it i was terrified you know and, and while i was writing it and even after it was ready to print publish and i was like you know, I read someone else's memoir, and I go, "Oh gosh, this is so good! I just want to rewrite mine." You know, and <laughs> so there is that fear and that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. absolutely right of like presenting it to the world. So people said, "You know, well, what did it feel like to to do that?" And I said, "Well, it was both pretty awesome, really. I mean, just an ex- a, an experience. I'm really glad I I you know did that. I took myself through, and it was terrifying." <laughs> uh to think well what will and and again with if you you know once you read it you'll see you know with my history of saying how will people judge me right you know how will they but i had actually also i mean that's still a little bit of it but well it's a lot of big bit of it but i had you know i've done some really hard work Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and so i don't think that way too often anymore it's kind of like hey this is the way i am this is my story yeah. And, and, you know, I, I hope it connects with you, but, you know, yeah, I'm going to say one more thing about that. Cause I think it connects. I mm-hmm. had a person who I've known for a long time. I hadn't seen them for a long, long time. And, uh, they were un, um, unable to come to one of my book launch parties near their home. And they sent me a uh, message that said, Hey, I read your book. Sorry. I didn't get to come to the party. I wasn't feeling well and said, I will be glad to tell you my impressions and my thought was, nope, don't need you to. I wasn't really asking, asking your impressions. It's and here's what I mean by that. It's my story, mm-hmm. and so you know, you want to talk to me about what you read. You know, that's one thing. But yeah, so, um, so I really, have I'm not asking hard, for your critique. <laughs> I'm not happy for your critique. I'm not asking for it. That's right. So, so that's fine, and we'll probably continue to be connected in yeah. our lives, but. I don't want to hear their impression.
0: Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> and how bold of you to speak up and use your voice and say that? See how well you've right. done and in say, in therapy. No that's, thanks. That's a, yes. Set a limit, man. That's I'm very true. That's, yes.
1: That's right. Very true. Very
0: yeah, true. that's 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 a huge thing to be able to set that boundary and 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 communicate uh, that effectively. I'm very I'm very well, impressed with you. <laughs> yes.
1: Thank you. No one showed me how to do that in my life. No, as far as boundaries, (laughs) because people stomp, you know, crossed and stomped all over them. So,
0: yes, they did. Yes, they did. And that's what I love (laughs) about your book is that you are so authentic all the way through it that you didn't hold anything back i mean you may have not told absolutely Mm. every single thing which is (laughs)
1: yeah i could tell more but i know Oh, i'm sure
0: somebody told me one day you know you just write your memoir about this thing but our lives have so many different compartments that you can write more than one memoir and i said i I highly doubt it after this experience i'll do it again i I would be really surprised if i did this so (laughs) (laughs) but throughout your Mm -hmm. life um there, there had to have been, uh, because when I when I read through the book, I kept looking for the people who, who had to have thrown you some scraps of worthiness, just a little bit of a nod that let you know that <laughs> there's somebody worthy in me, even though you couldn't get it mm-hmm. from your family of origin. So who do you think that you relied on um, that it might not have been really um, overt and you might not have mm-hmm. thought about it? all the time mm-hmm. but who were those people that you think gave you enough validation even in small bits that could have kept that spirit alive in you to say you know what mm-hmm. I-, I am somebody even mm-hmm. if it wasn't very overt
1: well one person came to mind is a very close friend of mine uh, sh- uh she's in the book mm-hmm. name change
0: um is she the one that you went to the movies with? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah. So you know, probably, probably mm-hmm. that relationship was one mm-hmm. that was constant, and pretty solid. I mean, mm-hmm. we were, teen, you know, we had yeah. our ups and downs too. Yeah. Yeah. Still did, but um, so Midge, not until, and I was going to say, gosh, not until I got married. But you know what? I got married at twenty, so it's yeah, <laughs> that's not <laughs> not too bad. But but I I. I am absolutely serious. You know, the first person, of course, is at 21. Well, I got I met my wife, Shelly, at 19. Mm-hmm. So that is probably, mm-hmm. you know, she is one of the people, well, if not the only one at that age, you know, mm-hmm. who, uh, who I would say now, you know what, I'm doing a disservice to not mention my sister. Mm. Absolutely. I was thinking mm. I was thinking outside that family of origin.
0: Right. Right. She and
1: I were very close and still are. And so that's mm-hmm. been a, a great thing. So,
0: yeah, I when you, when I was reading through the book and I, you know, I did notice that the that the girl you went to the movies with, she was kind of like that that little thing on your shoulder that says, Hey, you can be bold. You don't, you can step out of the box a little bit. Right. And I thought that was such a, <laughs> right. even though it might not have always been healthy maybe, but, but, but energetically right. it was extremely what you needed yeah. because it showed you that I don't have to fit in the confines of this toxic situation. I can be my own person. Mm-hmm. And that was the first person I yeah, think and- ever that mm. that let you see that.
1: Yeah. Yes, you're absolutely right, and I think about that, and, I, and now that I look back at that, mm-hmm. yes, and she was one of those people.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my
1: gosh, you know, this, I could
0: tell she was quite yeah. the spitfire. And I and loved,
1: I didn't even you know mention her a whole lot in the story, but what I do, but she, yeah, she was
0: one. Yeah, she is a
1: spitfire. Yeah. That's right. That's her.
0: Yeah, and and I thought how dear and awesome it was that your sister, even though you guys had a familial. Um, imposed competition sometimes, you know, with what Mm -hmm. she got and what you had and where she lived and where you lived. Mm -hmm. And there Mm -hmm. was almost this competition and you guys somehow were able to rise above what was modeled for you and what was set up for you. That could have Mm -hmm. been a a lifelong Mm -hmm. separation Mm -hmm. between the two of you, but somehow it actually Mm -hmm. drew you closer. And I'm so glad that that relationship was, Mm -hmm. was, you know, not torn apart through what you guys had been through.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say the competition set mm-hmm. up by grandparents uh, mm-hmm. really was between them and my parents, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and I think that somehow early on I noticed, you know, I recognized mm-hmm. that. So. Yeah. But,
0: anyway. but, but I'm really proud of you guys as children though, that you didn't feed into that because, mm-hmm. you know, they're mm-hmm. there. That clearly could have, could have led to a different outcome for you guys yeah it could when we talked earlier about i jumped a little bit ahead about what i thought the the flow of questions might Mm. be but when we talked about (laughs) uh, making sure everybody was okay and and all of that and making sure that you found your worth the role of peacemaker you know trying to keep everything Mm. in in a certain way can be really hard and i wondered Mm -hmm. Uh, reading through the book, that how how was how has that played out in your adult life now and as a pastor? Mm. <laughs> because yeah. I loved how yes. you described yes. ministry and gave those examples of parishioners that could like almost drive a nail through your head the way some some people will come at you and oh, <laughs> say things they would so, have wanted to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so in the mm. in that that way of being. T- taught almost to be a peacemaker how did how has Mm -hmm. that impacted you in your life now and as a pastor so
1: my life now and as a pastor even though i'm still a pastor Mm -hmm. there's there's like there's a delineate a a demarcation you know between what life was like in the institutional church uh for me and that's just the way i talk about it to what i'm doing now so i um it, it answered. So as these things kind of unfolded for me, I began to realize why that life as a pastor that I actually like. I mean, and do and do still I like.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, but how difficult it was, and how mm-hmm. it just connected to all of this trauma, a <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, response to trauma, and so yes, I, uh, I you know, was always concerned about how everybody was mm-hmm. uh, as much as I could be possible you know, that it was possible. Uh, and the bigger and bigger churches and I did pastor, you know, in the United Methodist Church, I pastored some pretty big churches. And uh, uh, that's a lot of people to, you know, to worry about whether they are OK and whether mm-hmm. they liked me and
2: mm-hmm. whether
1: I had upset them. And uh, my default assumption was that I had upset them or was going to at some point
2: Uh, because
1: that's the way I felt about myself. And so, um, so that was a rough time, but you know what? It, it was normal, uh you know, it was normal for me until the ah ahas came. So I just went with it, you know, it's Uh not like every moment of every day was, you know, depressing and, you know, and heavy I mean it was mm-hmm. lots of fun and lots of good stuff but it was this mm-hmm. thing I carried around and so yeah. at any time a prisoner was upset really I carried that around you know a weight or mm-hmm. well until there was until there was some resolution you know mm-hmm. to it and I also want to say that not you know there are lots of prisoners who weren't like that Yes. So that was helpful. Yes. But the ones who are yeah really tough and power struggles and all those things yeah. that happen um when humans get together and then you throw God in the mix and right and wrong and oh my gosh what sparks can fly be disastrous. <laughs> then, you know, but I cop I coped I you know I coped with it. I mean I did and I. You know, did part of some awesome things and led people and but Mm -hmm. just carried that around inside of me all the time, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, trying to make everybody else okay And in doing Mm -hmm. that, Midge, I that's how I often gave up my own voice, because Mm -hmm. if someone else said, well, how about, you know, another staff person or something and Mm -hmm. I would talk about what I'd want and then they'd be like, well, how about this? Because they didn't want to go where I wanted and then I'd be like, I'd capitulate. Well, okay, let's try that first. And then, and then finally realized, you know, so, and, and at some point that, wait a minute, you know, this is not going to work.
0: I loved uh, when you so, made your list during your your leave time. That, <laughs> that my renewal leave. Yeah. yeah, that you would not. Um, you know, continue to let somebody else decide what's going to happen. Like, you know, if, yes. you know, by giving right. up your power, not that you didn't cooperate with, with a group, no, and you know, it wasn't like that. It was just no. that recognizing when you were giving away your voice to one person to speak yes. for you. And I thought, Yay, yes. you that's brilliant. Right. And I also yep. am so amazed at, at how, not only you, but how we as human beings can be so burdened for so long and not recognize it, and yet still do God's work and do great things. You know, in mm-hmm. our brokenness, mm-hmm. we are not. And I think I, I'm bringing this up because I thought I really have always thought as as a child and and growing up that. I needed to be more perfect to do God's work that, you know, there Mm, has to be some like divinity bubble around me in order to do God's work. And it's like, I can't wait for that to happen. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do the podcast now write the memoirs you, you can't wait for perfection because guess what it doesn't happen on this side it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't. And that's right so. and and to see you to see your humanness and to know what you've been through and see all the good works that you have done and all the lives that you've touched and this book mm-hmm. is just going to be like you said one more way to get the voice out there to say hope there is hope no mm-hmm. matter what you're going through right now that's not the final chapter and i've always mm-hmm. said as long as we're above ground and still breathing we're still usable mm-hmm. <laughs> you know we can st- we're still yeah. supposed to be doing something so but that just struck me when i when i saw that heaviness about how much you mm-hmm. wanted to make sure everybody was okay and that you worried about it and you always felt responsible mm-hmm. because you were always right. made responsible you know even Right. You know, yeah. With the with the truth telling and, and how you got whacked for that. I mean, it's like you were the, right. you were the yes. beacon of honesty and, and truth, and yet that was never mm-hmm. rewarded. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so how do you think that that got carried forward in your life as far as every time you tried to tell the truth, something really bad happened. Yes. Instead of being celebrated, <laughs> something really bad happened.
1: Well, you know, I think that continued,
0: uh-huh. <laughs> I'm,
1: you know, within and I'll keep I'll just because it's the easiest uh, examples I can think of is within the church as a pastor and trying to, you know, help uh, churches, uh-huh. uh, leaders. You know to uh, move and be forward looking and all of that and mm-hmm. truth. You have to start with truth telling and someone has to name it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know it is it is not always met with uh, mm-hmm. uh, with embrace. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I, and and many times I would find, especially in larger congregations, that you would find, um, and you know if any. Well, I'll leave it at that. This is gay with God. So I think it's no surprise I'm talking about church. Yeah. So right. anyway, um, although I'm not completely uh at all believing anymore that God is only found in church.
0: Oh but anyway. No. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no
1: none no. of us would say that. <laughs> no. Absolutely. I know. Uh uh-uh. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure. Anyway, we'll just leave it at that. So <laughs> so um in bigger c- congregations you would find because there's different structures uh, you know that are in place that mm. just have to be. And so I work mostly with a group of leaders, not a whole congregation. Oh, okay. So you would have these levels of truth telling and mm-hmm. leaders would be like, yes, you know, this is right. And then when the leadership usually faced with, you know, with my face on it, you know, because I'm the leader speaks it then to the rest of the people is when you get the uproar and the golden calves, you know, mm-hmm. the kind that come out because <laughs> it's like, well, who is saying, you know, who are you to say that, you know, and, uh-huh. and as soon as it, and this goes back to some of what we talked about earlier is as soon as truth telling becomes, you know, you, or someone says it, and then therefore it demands different action uh-huh. um, that messes. And I, this is no judgment on people. It's just the way it is. It messes with people. Uh-huh. It messes with me. So uh-huh. my account, my uh, uh, coach would say it like this is like, You know, when you start to do things differently because you've learned new information and truth, Uh uh, then the dance changes. And sometimes as a leader, you say, I'm not dancing that dance anymore.
2: Uh Uh
1: And the person who's been dancing it for decades and knows that if they do this, then everyone else in the congregation or any group you want to put in that would work. Mm -hmm. does this so i do this they do that this is Uh what happens i expect it and then i still am in power so the person feels and as soon as someone says no i'm afraid i'm not dancing Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. it just becomes you know it can become quite a moment of Mm -hmm. conflict so
0: yeah so
1: anyway it's played itself out yeah lots of ways
0: i'm sure I'm sure and I'm sure that when you first had to start to to do that work, you know when you became a pastor mm-hmm. and you had to be the one to name it and and yes. name the truth and start the change, you must have been inwardly, maybe not cognitively because you hadn't put it all together in a line yet, but that must have always been extremely difficult for you because of of your past mm-hmm. and how truth did not always yeah. shine well on yes, you yes it was yes, right. sure yes it, was. it was
1: it was i never <laughs> well, mind doing it it just was hell
0: yeah it's just times. just internal <laughs> angst i mean that is so yes. all of those times that's that- right you know, and and it just showed up physically in your voice that there was a you know I just can't up speak. Mm-hmm. You know your your inside right. angst was coming in the constriction of your voice, which should have been the voice yes. of empowerment, and instead it was really a voice mm-hmm. of fear. You know what what's going to happen when I when I speak the truth? Right.
1: So therefore, I held my body. Yes. Constrict in constricted ways. Yes. Because. I was afraid you mentioned Mm -hmm. fear and that's right. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was going to happen when I was going to get, you know, whacked on the head or whatever, (laughs) but you know, on the head. And so uh, like the whack-a-mole. So anyway, that is what has been the revelation in the voice therapy was how intense and how much I had done that. I'd always known, you know, I was, tense but i didn't know how much i made myself constrict that i constricted myself and mm-hmm. i mean literally and physically so mm-hmm. which then led to all kinds of other ways i constricted myself so.
0: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. well the journey that you had from that little boy to being able to find yourself and to live your your truth mm-hmm. has been transformational um and now you're living yeah, a yes. life of truth and you're living a life of authenticity. And and mm-hmm. for people who don't understand, um, your life again, similar to what some people experience, <laughs> and then quite different <laughs> in the way you express <laughs> yourself and and how you and Shelly and and just you know your life in general have been able to right. bounce back from all of the changes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I was, I was so tickled to read in your memoir that your son is authentically living his life. Mm-hmm. And I was so grateful mm-hmm. to, to see that. And I just, I just love how you guys continue to live in love, despite all of the, mm-hmm. the trauma you've been through and through all of the, the negativity that the world gives you uh, just in general. Mm-hmm. So I would like as we as we're kind of coming to yep. the end, I want to give mm-hmm. you space to be able to um say the things that you would like to say about your memoir, to to say what you would like to have said that I've not brought up from your from mm-hmm. your wonderful memoir. What are some things that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure you voice and tell people to expect? And then we'll talk about how they can find it.
1: Mm-hmm. So I um I did include, um, you know, a a coming out story, my story Mm -hmm. uh, in the book. After I decided to do that, then I kind of, but I make sure that that was kind of not a complete surprise by the time it happened uh, in the book. Um, And so that has, I I will say that has been um, not, not the, I won't say it was the beginning. It was like just the part of this journey that Mm -hmm. once, this started this whole, um, walk toward authenticity. And if I'm going to stand in my voice and mm-hmm. speak from, you know, a solid place from my core then I had to be honest about that too, mm-hmm. not honest, but had to, it had to be a part of the whole of, of all of me. Oh, you know, yeah. I had to, uh, yeah. admit it, admit it
2: mm-hmm. to
1: myself in the world. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I talked more about that in the other podcast in January of last year, as mm-hmm, you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And Shelly, my wife, was also on your yes. podcast as well. Yes. Telling her story as a woman in a mixed orientation marriage yes. with a gay husband. Yep. So, um, <laughs> you know, um, that has, you know, and that has been its own its own journey Uh that honestly may be a book too sometime Uh we talked about it because we are Uh not the only ones who are in that situation Uh um but we're doing really well i am you know now living uh in a whole different world Uh from what i where where i was before and and i was just saying on friday night at a group for a group that was talking about the book um, someone asked me a question about the open table, the mm-hmm. community, the progressive affirming community that I started, that I founded in 2019. What made it so different? And I said, I believe it is the most authentic community I've ever been a part of. Mm-hmm. And so that just nurtures me now. It's a mm-hmm. whole different experience
2: mm-hmm. than
1: than what I had you know, pushed through for 30 years Mm -hmm. now comes from, rather than, you know, making something happen. Mm -hmm. um, Very different. Yeah. So I want people to know that if they're in any situation, uh, it doesn't have to match mine, but a situation where the, um, your internal um, thoughts and beliefs and feelings begin to be unaligned or you become aware that they're unaligned with the, the rest of your life or the, or what's, you know, outward, like even that, if that's a job or a group or it could be your family, it could be a Mm -hmm. church. It could be, you know, some, any situation like that, uh, that, you know, I think you'll find yourself in, in the story and that there is hope, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I never, I always tell people um, find professional help through that, you know, as you're going through that, because it may be very deeper and it likely is, then you realize mm-hmm. you know, where all that comes from. So mm-hmm. uh, so if you're in that point, that point in your life or at that point, you know, um, I think you'll find yourself in the in Hush Child. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And I've listed on the show page that they can they can get Hush Child from your website. Where else can they find yep. your memoir?
1: Yes, the my website will link you directly to where, the page on Amazon, but it is currently, on, it is on Amazon. Um, and you can just search for either my name or the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, the full title is Hush Child, Finding My Voice and Breaking the Silence. You don't need to search for the whole thing, but mm-hmm. um, as a matter of fact, thanks to you all, it's actually you can it'll come up pretty quickly if you search for it so
0: yay yay so, so i know there's been so a lot of buzz amazon about right it now. <laughs> yeah amazon right now there has
1: okay. been so that's really that's cool awesome. it's on amazon it's the only place okay. you can get it right now so
0: okay all right and if you don't um yep. if you're uh if you don't know how to do amazon just click the link on the show page yep. at empoweredmidge.com that's, right. that's good. yes
1: <laughs> it'll go right, right to it yeah and <laughs> It'll go right to it, I'm sure. And my website, like you said, mm-hmm. DaleLycans.com, also yeah. has a page about the book, where you can. Uh, in the back of the book, will direct you to the website to see pictures of the of people and situations I not, you know, that I mentioned in the book, mm-hmm. and um, also some updates on a couple of things, like my relationship with my mom and my trans son. You mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. this is not (laughs) when i was writing the book so i wanted to explain that because you you know i had asked him about how to handle that i can go back and change name you know i've right now i've got you know a previous Mm -hmm. name and and uh, he was like no i want you to leave it just put something at the end and so that's what i did and i wanted people to understand that so i was disrespecting
0: right Mm -hmm. um and that was that was another question i'd actually thought about is that have you had any backlash from From any family members about the memoir,
1: I have no. I have not.
0: Well, that's wonderful. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that anyone's called me up and said, "Awesome." Uh, They (laughs) no one's talked. No one has talked about it too much, and I decided (laughs) to let that be. Okay,
0: silence is deafening.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but Midge, let me let me clarify to you and say, everyone, like my mom, my dad, my sister, and my kids. All had a manuscript in that form before it went to be published mm. about a year ago. So they mm-hmm. have they they got the opportunity to read it before yeah. it was finalized.
0: So okay, okay.
1: Some um, of those conversations,
0: yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Back okay.
1: Then, so yeah. But they were they were they understood it. It was painful, especially for yes. But
0: oh, sure. Um,
1: but I helped her understand where I was. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was okay. We have our own issues still for mm-hmm. some other reasons,
2: but. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just so impressed with you and so proud of you and so happy for you that you were able to unburden all of this onto the paper, and that you continue to grow (laughs) through it. Uh, We're never done. Um, There's always healing that is going to come Mm -hmm. from unexpected places that need to be uh, looked at but your yep. journey like I said before is transformational and I hope that mm-hmm. people will get hush child finding my voice and breaking the silence yep. and even if uh, this is not your story or you're nowhere clear clearly close to this story this story is relevant for how we look at each other and how we treat our families mm-hmm. and it's yep. important yes. that That not only you develop empathy for folks that may be going through this, but you also may see some similar threads in your lives. And you will be called Mm -hmm. to take a look and to see how you can grow through your life. So Mm -hmm. it's an important work, and I'm so proud of you for getting it out there.
1: Mitch. thank you so much. And I appreciate you uh, talking with me today uh, again.
0: Again. uh,
1: yeah, I appreciate We
0: are it. so lucky. We are you are so welcome. And guys, thank <laughs> you for listening each week, supporting and sharing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure that you go to the uh, show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com to connect to this amazing book, Hush Child. And Also, go there at empoweredmage.podbean.com to check out the Facebook group, Gay With God, where we do a monthly Zoom group entitled My Faith Journey. If you need support to help through your coming out and or faith journey, that's the same place that you'll see where you can can connect to me. And it's also a place, Gay With God uh, Facebook group, where you will find a link to Ask Me Anything, something that I'm doing each month until my launch for my memoir. You can literally ask ask me anything. It can be about the book and that's great. And I'm going to give you some sneak peeks, but you can ask me anything and I will answer. I may blush, but I will answer. (laughs) If you are listening to this podcast and are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you identify as LGBTQIA+, or not even sure if you're gay, God has always been within you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody, and stay tuned to see how you can join the Gay With God community. And my next Ask Me Anything is March 9th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So remember you are loved. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4 a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.